For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. The Opinions, The Panel. Panel this morning consists of James Regan and Guy Havelt. Uh, good morning to both of you two uh, gentlemen. Uh, let's look at uh, the subject which has been lighting up the lines, uh, both text and phone lines uh, for us uh, in the last uh, few days. Gentlemen, um, a particular guy, I'll start with you, the Warriors. I see they've got two new signings, Ronald Volkman and Freddie Lussick. They uh, could suit up as early as this weekend for the hapless Warriors. Uh, here we go. Uh, one of them's 19 and one of them's 21 going into that atmosphere. Good luck. Yeah, good luck indeed. Uh, morning, Smithy. Morning, morning, Jimmy. Morning, everyone. Um, yeah, oh, look, I, I, James will know more about these two th- than I do, but um, when you're in a situation like the Warriors are in, and let's not beat around the bush, they are a, they are a really bad rugby league team. Uh, I know they've won a few games this season, and they are typically just two points outside the eight, but they are average. They, they're not going to make the eight in my mind. Uh, they need a lot, a lot to change inside that organisation on the field, off the field. Um, and, and two youngsters, you, you, you're kind of pinning your hopes on two youngsters. Uh, I just think that's kind of unfair to these two. They might be good, but I don't think they're going to turn this team into, into a winning Warriors side. Um, uh, look, uh, the weekend was, was just nothing short of disgraceful. Uh, they have to bounce back this weekend. I don't know if they will. Um, uh, they, they, they're in a massive hole at the moment. And as I say, you've got two youngsters coming in, you're pinning your hopes on them. Uh, I just think that's a bit unfair. James, I, I, what worries me about this is, uh, you know, you're, you're, you arrive at a new franchise, you're a young kid, you're 19, you're 21. Okay, you come with reputation, you're a professional as such. But you walk into an environment which you're reading a little bit of stuff about, and I, I, I fear, I fear a little bit for the introduction of these two kids. Yeah, I think I don't think anyone out there should kind of pin any kind of hope on these guys, not not through any fault of their own, but purely because they've already arrived with some expectation, which is a bit unfair. But they've got little to no NRL experience, which is what the Warriors are already kind of lacking in, in, in some positions. Been listening uh, to the show this morning, so the, uh, the Warriors fans, look, it's great that they're really passionate. Um, I will say, I don't think sacking Nathan Brown or anything like that is, is the right way to go. What they did this up against the Sharks, guys, right, it was just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, that second half, you kind of look around and go, what, what is actually happening? They, they couldn't come up with, with any kind of answers, and the Sharks must have been thinking, this is, a, this is great, we'll play with 12 players every week. But these, these two young guys, that they shouldn't come into the side straight away, I feel, because that'll just mount more pressure on them. But, yeah, I, I really don't know. I hope, I hope the club look after them right, and I hope fans give them a bit of leeway as well. They'll, they'll obviously be good kids and good players coming through that Roosters system. They'll be great young men. But Warriors fans shouldn't pin a lot of hope or expectation on these guys because that's simply not fair. It wouldn't be fair to do, especially after what they've dished up over the past few weeks. OK. Prospects for this weekend. It's only team naming Tuesday. We're a long way out. But prospects uh, for turning this one around quickly, as they tend to do, James. 
Yeah, they they need to win. Um, but before the season plays on, they need to put in a performance that they're really happy with, which I don't think uh, they've done so far this year. Uh, a few players have, have spoken about that. I see Sean Johnson's made some comments where he put his hand up and said, I haven't been good enough and we haven't been able to put in a performance that we're really happy with. And they need to do that really quick. Otherwise, the season will get away on them. Whether that's changing a few things up, I don't think you can rip the side to shreds and, and bring in new players because I don't think they've got the depth to do that. Whether it's moving a few, a few players around, putting Dan Watson as a Lesniak at fullback, maybe getting him on the ball, ball, a ball a bit more, um, finding a better way to, to let Reese Walsh run around a bit more, which is what, he, what he's so good at. Um, it would be nice to see a couple of changes after what they they came up with against the Sharks because they just look like possible caught in the headlights. They, they couldn't come up with anything. So it would be nice to see a couple of changes, but it would be frustrating to see the team kind of turfed out and, and changes wrong and left, right and centre. I don't think they'll do that. Nathan Brown's not that kind of coach, but something has to change pretty quick, otherwise the season's gone. Take a short break here on the panel. James Regan, Guy have felt with us uh, this morning. A bit of rugby to talk about. I'm going to ask Guy too what he knows about the stadium in Christchurch. It looks like uh, it's on hold again with more money being sought to to get it up and running. Uh, It is 10.30 and here's Araha with uh, an update for us. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. James Regan with us this morning, as is Guy Havelt. And Guy, I was just reading an article about the stadium in Christchurch. Uh, uh, two things that interest me about it. One, will it ever get off the ground? And will it? I mean, there's been a lot of funding allocated to it, but they are, on a daily basis, the, co- the, the cost of it goes up because of uh, what's going on around the world, of course. Mm. Um, but uh, two, uh, I look at crowds around the country for the average sporting event, not just the Bledisloe Cup test, which is once a year, maybe, if you get it, uh, do they need 30,000 all of a sudden? Do, uh, do we need 30,000 seated stadiums in this country? I would have thought 30,000 would be a, a good number. Um, maybe 25 is, is, is maybe all you need. I don't know how much of a co- how much that would bring down in terms of cost. Look, th- this, is, this is so disappointing for Christchurch, a, a city that has, um, not just in sport, but in, in general life, has taken so long to bounce back to its feet because of... Um, indecision from so many people in, in terms of councils, in terms of government, uh, all that sort of thing. I mean, if you've been to Christchurch in the last few years, I know the city centre is starting to get back on its feet and it's, it's actually really nice what they've done. But if you go anywhere else outside of that, out, out to the areas that were affected by the earthquake, which was what, over a decade ago, uh, there are still so many holes in the place. They still haven't fixed so many parts of the city it's so disappointing, it's so sad, and this is another thing, and from a sporting point of view, it makes me even sadder that, that Christchurch still has an absolute dog of a stadium, and, and, and we're now at a stage where they might put, put this new project on hold again. Um, it, it's, it's incredibly disappointing, uh, another $50 million that they say, if they, if they keep on putting it off, then as you say, uh, with the cost of living and the cost of everything else going up, it's just going to increase how much a new stadium is going to cost to build. So get on with it, hurry up, give Christchurch what it deserves, get some sport, some decent sport back down there, um, whether that's a 20, 25, 30,000-seat stadium, whatever it is, just hurry up and build it. Yeah, it just can't afford to sit in the middle of the city, though, my thinking, uh, Guy, and just be left 
empty. Um, and, you know, I mean, you know, Christchurch of all cities seems to be the hardest uh, to get things uh, going with. They finally turn a sod of soil and, and uh, they put a lot of publicity around that. And then, of course, that sod of soil is still the only piece of ground that's actually been touched. So, oh, I, as you say, it is just such an annoying thing. Given the location, right by the cardboard cathedral, their walking distance to pretty much everything. Um, but it, it just, it's just so frustrating, Guy. It just it gets to me, and I'm a visitor. <laughs> Look, I, I haven't lived in Christchurch now for, for, for over a decade before the earthquakes was when I moved up to Auckland, but I, my, my parents are still down there, um, my sister's still down there, and I still have a lot of friends and family friends, obviously, down there, and, and they're all sports fans, and, and so I am speaking from a sports point of view, and I'm sure there'd be people in the city who are interested in other things saying that they don't need a stadium. But um, Christchurch has been a sporting stronghold in New Zealand for so long. Sport is a big part of the city, um, and and for so long they've missed out on, on big opportunities. The Rugby World Cup, they weren't able to get any games down there because um, they didn't have a stadium to play at, and granted that was just after mm. the earthquakes, but still very disappointing to the city. Uh, the Cricket World Cup, they've got a great cricket ground there, so so why can't they get another ground that, that, that ha- a decent ground? I know they've got this, mm. this, this what was supposed to be a temporary stadium, but if you've ever been there, and I know you would have for a few matches, Smithy, it's so bloody cold. It's hard to actually enjoy any decent sporting event there uh, because even on a nice day, the, 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 the breeze just blows through and it's so incredibly cold. It's not a great vantage point to watch from the stands. Um, and, and I just feel like the people of Christchurch are missing out on, on great sporting events. And as you say, they, they turn the soil and, and then all of a sudden things pause again and, and we're left to wait a few more years. So as I say, hurry up, get on with it, um, lock it in. The longer you yeah. wait, the more it's going to cost and, and the more we're going to be having these discussions. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it, that stadium just uh, oozes the word temporary to me. Temporary toilets, temporary changing facilities, yeah. temporary everything. So uh, that's, uh, that's all it means, and it's been temporary for too long. But it's now current uh, and almost fixed. Uh, James, uh, getting away from that subject as well, uh, going to, Black Caps are going to three stadiums, which I think will pretty, be pretty well populated for the start of test matches anyway on a very even series. Your expectations from the Black Caps and this series against England? Yeah, really looking forward to this one and it's that crack of getting up in the middle of the night and kind of drifting in and out of sleep watching the Black Caps tackle England. Um, from both sides' point of view, I think we're going to get a good look into, into the, how the next couple of years are going to go from New Zealand's point of view. Obviously, no Ross Taylor. A couple of guys have come in and that depth that we've been on about for the past couple of years will we'll be tested, I think, even if it's not the best England side, going over there in, in those conditions is always uh, a little bit tricky. But from an England point of view, obviously Ben Stokes, the first real test, uh, first captaincy, it'll be interesting to see who gets picked after the, the kind of fallout from the Ashes with Gordon Anderson missing out on that uh, tour, I think, in the West Indies. So a lot of interesting um, cricket to come, but before that the selections and who kind of gets the nod ahead of who I think is going to be going to be fascinating and yeah another chance is, I'm really excited to see Ben Conway out there again um, in those conditions and, and to see what he can come up with and he's just one of the, a number of players and I think we'll turn it on and hopefully it's going to be a great series but a lot of intriguing uh, build up especially to come I think Guy there seems to me a, a little bit more surety about us I mean normally when you head to a place like England uh, you're sort of experimenting, trying to work out your combinations, etc. It seems we've pretty much sorted. 
they're anything but. I mean, for instance, they've just named a captain, but they haven't, to my knowledge, mm. named a coach. Uh, they um, are nowhere near formulating a batting lineup. There's still question marks about Broad and Anderson coming back in. I mean, to me, I mean, what are we looking? Three weeks out? This is crazy. This, this is as good a chance as New Zealand will have of going over there and winning another series in England at, at the moment. Uh, a three-match series, a proper series uh, over there. Um, for everything that you just mentioned, New Zealand's quite settled. England is a bit all over the place at the moment. They've still got some great players, obviously, uh, and some decent cattle that, that, that you suspect will, will, will put up a fight. But they've been in, in a little bit of a disorganised phase. I'll use that word for, for a few months now. And, and as you say, three weeks out from the first test there's still so much that is up in the air around how they will look uh, on and off the park um, I, I think New Zealand has a good chance of, of doing very well over the air, I think there are two players who I'm looking at to, to, to really stand up, one's Kyle Jamieson who um, obviously burst onto the scene, had a superb well, arguably as good a start to his test career as you could hope wasn't as productive or as as as, um, as lethal, I suppose, as he has been in, in the home summer just been. And, and that was slightly disappointing from my point of view. Uh, I know he's had a bit of time off cricket recently, so I hope he comes into the series refreshed. I hope he can get back to that, that lethal way of bowling that he had where he just, um, you know, is all over batsmen from the word go. I'd like to see that. And the other one, and I wouldn't say there's pressure on him, but I'm just, um, I was really impressed by how Will Young went at the top of the order, and I hope he can continue that over there. And if, if, if New Zealand has a strong one-two, and, and obviously Tom Latham is, is just so good, and if he can have a decent partner with him at the top, then you've got Kane Williamson and Devin Conway. Uh, you don't lose anything in terms of Taylor retiring and Conway coming in. So that's an excellent top four. Um, I just saw right now that, that Henry Nichols has actually got a calf problem and they're not sure how bad it's going to be. He's going to have an MRI, so that might make things interesting in terms of the middle order. Um, but, yeah, th- those two players, uh, Kyle Jamieson and, and Will Young, for me, uh, are two who just have a little bit not to prove as such, well, not in Will Young's case anyway, um, but I, I just feel like that they hold a little bit of a key to New Zealand succeeding on, on this tour. Super Rugby uh, news coming back uh, from... Uh, suspension, Scott Barrett into the Crusaders this weekend. Uh, I think uh, Razor Robertson will be very happy to get an experienced lock back in there, James. But well, of interest is uh, Tony Brown's time with the Highlanders is fast running out. Um, what about a replacement down there? Do you think they'll go local or would they go outside? Yeah, I, th- I think this morning Clark Dermody um, said he he's interested. Whatever they do, they've got to sort it out down there because um, they've been left wanting a little bit, and the gap uh, is starting to grow, I think, especially within the New Zealand teams between the top sides uh, and those who, who risk getting left behind. We've seen the Blues come up good this year. Obviously, the Crusaders are always there. The Chiefs are there or thereabouts. And then there seems to be quite a bit of a gap between between the rest. So whoever goes in down there, they, they've, they've got to come up good, and they've got to come up with a way of, uh, of turning things around. It's such a, I guess, a passionate group of supporters down there, the land of supporters and, and the Deep South, and they deserve a team who's, who's competing with, with the best of uh, the rest of the New Zealand sides, especially we're seeing that the Aussie teams grow stronger and stronger. So there is a risk that, I guess, these other teams, and the Highlanders included, get left behind because they're simply not playing well enough at the moment and, and that can change pretty quickly they've strung a couple of good wins together I see but 
um, whoever goes in, hopefully they can build something over the next few years. And it, it would be nice to see a local a local bloke going there, but um, yeah, whoever it is, hopefully they can they can turn things around. Actually, you make a very good point there, James and um, Guy. Uh, that is quite valid when you start thinking about the fact there is another option now for players. Quite often, the Highlanders tend to you tend to look at the Highlanders and say they got last pick in the schoolyard. Not always the case because they've, they have some terrific players and they get, have uh, uh, they've had produced some great players. But you tend to think that way about the Highlanders. Of course, now Moana Pacifica comes into the mix, and you have to just go a little bit deeper into your resources. And there is a danger there; you could get left behind. Yeah, absolutely, and I think we're starting, I mean, maybe not quite to the full extent yet in terms of Moana um, and, and what, what potential they probably have, but I think we're starting to see it. I mean, the Highlanders have been so disappointing this season. Um, obviously, they had a good win in the weekend, but overall, they've, they've been very disappointing, and, and possibly we are starting to see that. And, and, and if I can uh, go off on a tangent here a little bit, that, that kind of ties into this debate around whether New Zealand should have a second NRL side. Well, I'm sorry, but if, if what, you know, what we're seeing from the Warriors is anything to go by, uh, a second NRL side would, would, in my mind anyway, um, dilute both teams. And, and, and more often than not, I would suspect that you'd see the Warriors and whoever it might be, let's just say Wellington, because that's who everyone's always talked about as the second team, would be towards the bottom of the table. I don't think it's smart for New Zealand to have a second NRL side I know I've gone off on a massive tangent here, but it just seemed to just seemed to tie into that discussion as well. Um, yeah, I, I think it's an interesting uh, situation for the Highlanders um, in terms of keeping their best players who their next coaches, uh, and I think it also ties into that debate around the second NRL team for New Zealand as well. I wouldn't be supportive of that just yet. Okay, Guy Haveld and uh, James Regan have been our panel this morning. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Uh, we will have a another panel at the same time tomorrow morning. Sorry about the noise. My neighbour's sanding his deck. My motto? Don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.